Hey, this is Sandra. This is Jess. And this is Emily. And you are listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to part two of I Solemnly Swear, dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. uh, the cursed this, episode. <laughs> <laughs> this week, once again, uh, it's just Sandra and I. You will hear from Emily later. She'll pop in for her bit. Um, but she's just not feeling well today, and we're on a really tight schedule, so it's just the Sandra and Jess team today. Mm -hmm. Luckily, Sandra is the one who's doing the summary. Oh, boy. Let's see how I do. I'll be honest. When I made this, uh, when I wrote the summary down, I was like, I'm not very confident I'm going to win. I'm going to pass this week. So let's see. I've never had to run the timer before. This is very exciting. <laughs> this is usually Emily's gig. All right. Three, two, one, go. Drama alert. In Hartford, Emily is getting sued by a former maid for wrongful termination, and Lorelai has to depose, to which she swears she'll defend Emily, but she still has to be honest. Meanwhile, Lorelai and Suki go to the Boring Learning Center to learn how to open an inn, where they run into Suki's old friend and his new business partner, who coincidentally both want to date one of them, except, you know, Suki's married. At Chilton, it's Rory v. Francis Part 2, to which Paris is not worried about. But she should have been, because Francie is vicious, hurting Paris Time. and making Rory into a leper. I'm oh. so sad. <laughs> I mean, you were close. I was close. It's okay. I can fail. I I'll be one for all of us. Yeah, there we go. Balance us out. I kind of realized I would fail. I'm not going to lie. It's just, well, it's a, there's a lot of things that happen in this episode for an episode that's kind of a filler. Yeah, it's... I feel like there's a lot of things that happen in this episode. I mean, we've talked about them. You just covered mm -hmm. them. But at the same time, it's not like a really memorable episode, except mm -hmm. for that iconic fencing scene. Right, yes. It just stands out visually as so different. I would say as a whole, it's not an episode that I rewatch often. Actually, yeah. I'm pretty sure I skip it. See, season three, it's like Jess or Bust for me. Yeah, that that <laughs> makes sense. I'm still a season four girly. I'm going to say it until we get there, and then I'm going to rewatch it and be like, ugh, this is so <laughs> uncomfortable. But <laughs> we are so not there yet. We are on episode 11, and let's get some 
references from Sandra. Weekly references with Sandra. Weekly references with Sandra. All right. For references this week, I wanted to focus on some references I didn't know. And of course, I mean, I have to focus on the guest star, right? Like, that's my thing. Duh. So first up, when Paris and Rory meet up for the first time, Paris says that Francie is not at fault, but rather Mr. Hunter. Not just because he's the teacher, but because she knows he wants her ousted. And she calls Mr. Hunter Mr. Christian. Which I always just thought... That was his first name, and she was just being disrespectful? Hmm. No. She's referencing Fletcher Christian, who was the master's mate on board HMS Bounty during Lieutenant William Bly's voyage to Tahiti in the 1700s, until Christian committed mutiny and seized command of the ship before burning said ship. So apparently Paris thinks Mr. Hunter will seize command of the student council and then destroy it as well. That's what she's cool, trying cool, to cool. say with Mr. Christian. Uh, I never knew that. Completely over my head. <laughs> Another Paris quote that I want to quickly focus on is, Watch Shote get Joan Didion while we're being read Eloise at the Plaza. So Chote is the name of an actual private school in Connecticut, also known as Chote Rosemary Hall. It is currently ranked as the second best boarding school in, in America. It's incredibly prestigious, and notable alumni include Glenn Close, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Douglas, several governors, senators, and even a president as JFK went there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Joan Didion, meanwhile, uh, was an American political writer, and that's all I'm going to give you because Emily's going to talk about her in the next section. And lastly, Eloise at the Plaza... Which, by the way, is a great book. I love Eloise. <laughs> Eloise at Christmas time is one of my like books that I have to read every mm-hmm. single year. It's so it's all the feels. And Eloise at the Plaza is a children's book written by Kay Thompson about a young girl who lives at the Plaza Hotel with her dog Weenie and her turtle Skipperdy. It is very cute, very sweet, very children. So. What Paris is saying here is watch this prestigious other school in Connecticut, get this amazing writer, and we get read a children's book at our commencement. To be fair, (laughs) if the author of Eloise at the Plaza had spoken at my commencement, that would have been one of the best days of my life. Right, I wouldn't have to. Agree to disagree. (laughs) But finally, let's talk about our guest star, Mr. Billy Burke, who plays Alex Lesman but more commonly known as Charlie Swan from Twilight. And uh, who was Charlie Swan, Jess? Well, he's Bella's dad. He's also Mm -hmm. the chief of police of Forks. Okay. Um, And he is a uh, well-known Jacob Bella shipper. Right, yeah, I do remember that. And the other thing I remember from the movie was that he had a joke about a shotgun, but I can't remember the joke specifically. Um, he is cleaning a shotgun when, uh-huh. uh, Edward comes to pick up Bella the first time right. for their date. And yeah, he just doesn't like Edward, which is fair. He is a vampire. He is. Mm-hmm. He's no good. But before and, and after Gilmore Girls, he's been in quite a few movies and shows. 
Of course, his big break was Twilight, but recently he's been on 911 Lone Star, the Texan version of 911, the original. And um, he was also the dad on Maid. And Maid is a little bit of a triggering show, so I don't recommend it unless you check out the, the content warnings. However, it is a really good show. It is kind of like Lorelai and Rory, uh, the early years, but unfortunately with a little bit more darkness to it. <laughs> but he plays the dad there. And we kind of spoke about Off-Pod, or really, honestly, it was On-Pod, but we were, you know, disappeared, <laughs> about the fact that besides Charlie, usually Billy Burke plays kind of rough, unlikable Dads. characters. Yeah, I had shared, um, so we shared last episode that we had originally recorded in the episode, my audio disappeared, so we had to re-record. But one of the things I had said is that he starred in another movie where he played another kind of like deadbeat dad character. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was directed by Catherine Hardwick, the same director as the first Twilight movie, called Red Riding Hood, starring Mm -hmm. Amanda Seyfried, where he plays the father to this kind of like Kristen Stewart-esque character. There's two love interests. Catherine Hardwick really just wanted another Twilight. But that's kind of the kind of character that you see him as. These kind of like not great guys. And then you get Mm -hmm. him as Charlie and he's like this stand-up guy. And I would say Alex falls into that stand-up guy category as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, those were my references this week. A lot of Paris being Paris and just... I mean, wh- what 17-year-old looks at a teacher and calls him Mr. Christian and is referencing a pirate, not a pirate, but a mutinous uh, person, I don't know. Sailor? Um, sailor from the 1700s. I, I wouldn't have. I know that for sure. I Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. The things they learn at this school. Mm-hmm. And Billy Burke, who is our guest star for, I think, about two or three episodes before well, we never see them again. Yeah, enjoy him while you can. Yeah. But up next, we have an author with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. With Emily. Just before the student council meeting, while Paris is reading out of the suggestions box, she says, watch Choate get Joan Didion while we're read Eloise at the Plaza. So this is in reference to Joan Didion. She was an American writer and author who was born December of 1934 and passed away in December of 2021. Across her career, she wrote five novels, 14 nonfiction books, and also contributed to multiple screenplays and stage plays. Born in Sacramento, she recalled writing her thoughts as young as five, though she never considered herself a writer until after she was first published. She identified herself as a small, bookish child who pushed herself to overcome social anxiety through acting and public speaking. Her father was a finance officer in the Army Air Corps, and Didion moved around quite a bit growing up. She stated she always felt like an outsider. During her senior year at the University of California in Berkeley, she won first place in the Prix de Paris essay contest sponsored by Vogue and was awarded a job as a research assistant. Her career at Vogue lasted seven years as she worked her way up to promotional copywriter and later associate feature editor. While there, she did write her first novel, Run River, which her friend John Gregory Dunn helped her edit. 
Dunn would later become her husband, and together they would adopt a daughter, Quintana Roo, in 1966. Now, Run River was published in 1963, and from there she was on about a seven-year schedule with her fiction work. In 1970, she released Play As It Lays. 77, she wrote A Book of Common Prayer. In 1984, she wrote Democracy. And in 1996, she wrote The Last Thing He Wanted. Her nonfiction works were much more frequent, many of which were essay or article collections from work she'd done or writings inspired by places she'd lived. Her and Dunn did write together quite a bit, working together on a number of screenplays, including an adaptation of her novel played as a lays and the 1976 film A Star is Born with Barbara Streisand. They also worked together adapting the biography of journalist Jessica Savich into the 1996 film Up Close and Personal with Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer. In her 1996 piece, New York Review of Books, Didion dissected serious flaws in the prosecution of the case against Central Park 5, becoming one of the earliest mainstream writers to view the guilty verdicts as a miscarriage of justice. She suggested the defendants were found guilty because of a socio-political narrative with racial overtones that clouded the court's judgment. Unfortunately, in 2003, her daughter Quintana developed pneumonia that progressed to septic shock, and she ended up going into the ICU in a coma. At the same time, Didion's husband, John, died suddenly of a heart attack in December of that same year while Quintana was in the hospital. Quintana did recover eventually, and the funeral for her father was delayed about three months until Quintana was well enough to attend. And these experiences led Didion to write The Year of Magical Thinking. It is a response to the death of her husband and the severe illness of their daughter. It was published in 2005, and this was actually her first nonfiction work that was not a collection of previous works, and she found the book tour process to be very therapeutic during her period of mourning. The book itself was called a masterpiece of two genres, memoir and investigative journalism, and won several awards. Unfortunately, in August of that year of 2005, Quintana also passed away due to acute pancreatitis at only age 39. Didion later wrote about Quintana's death in her book Blue Nights, which was a memoir about the anxiety she experienced in adopting and raising a child, as well as the aging process. In 2017, Netflix actually released a documentary about her, Joan Didion, The Center Will Not Hold, which was actually directed by her nephew, Griffin Dunn. Joan, sadly, passed away in December of 2021 due to Parkinson's at the age of 87. Now, at the time of this episode of Gilmore Girls, it was roughly 2003, and of the 13 honors and awards Joan would receive in her lifetime, she only had three at this point. She had been elected to the American Academy of Arts and Letters in 1981. She was awarded the Edward McDowell Medal in 1996 and received the St. Louis Literary Award from St. Louis University Library Associates. After this episode, she would go on to also receive an honorary doctor of letters from both Harvard and Yale, and was awarded the National Humanities Award by President Barack Obama. So that was Joan Didion, uh, one of the first mainstream writers to point out the flaws in the prosecution of the case against the Central Park Five. She really did point out some very serious issues, including the fact that all five people convicted kids were 14, 15, and 16, They were all questioned without lawyers or parents present. None of their interviews were recorded. 
that's just one of the many things that she pointed out. Um, but good for her for doing that. They were eventually acquitted many years later. And that was Joan Didion. After that, we have a new sponsorship segment. La, 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 Hey, everyone. A small break within the bits to talk to you about Creative Basics. Now, this will be a small segment that will last a few minutes, but if you are jonesing for some new underwear, sleepwear, or everyday apparel, stay tuned because we have some discounts for you. Are you shopping online this Black Friday and Cyber Monday? This year, you need to make sure you add Parade to the list. Going to the mall to try on bras and underwear during Black Friday is a nightmare you no longer need to worry about. If you're worried about sizing, Parade has a find your bra size quiz so you can find your size without ever having to leave your bed. Shop this sale season in ease with Parade's 45% off limited time promotion for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Everyone else has to spend $250 to get this deal, but you don't when you use our promo code BF Town Meeting at checkout. Finding sustainable undergarments that last more than one wash, make me feel good, and don't break the bank has been such a struggle. But thankfully, Parade has become the answer. Parade creates creative basics that are designed to make you feel like your truest self, with size styles ranging from XS to 3XL. You may have seen a few of Parade's products go viral on TikTok, like their super soft sleep pants, seamless universal smooth lift triangle bralettes, or their smoothing, nearly naked, seamless bodysuits. Their super soft sleep pants are the comfiest pants. You're not going to want to put on anything else when you're lounging around or on the go. The smooth lift triangle bralette is better than a push-up bra. It gives your cleavage a boost while still being so comfortable for all day use, with no underwear. For all my larger chested girls, it has a wide band that is super supportive, doesn't dig into you, and is so lightweight. The nearly naked, seamless bodysuit is such a great skims dupe, but way better. It's the most flattering bodysuit at a better price, and sustainable. Tis the season to give a gift to your friends, fam, and loved ones that they will actually use. Parade also donates 1% of sales to organizations they believe in, like LGBT youth or abortion funds. Parade's underwear and PJs are the stocking stuffers that won't disappoint. They have the cutest Zodiac underwear for the astrology lover in your life. Also, remember days of the week underwear? Spice up a classic underwear staple with Parade. You won't want to miss out on this once a year up to 45% off sale at checkout when you use the promo code BFTOWNMEETING. Once December hits, you can still use our code for 20% off, so move quickly for the best savings. Join the parade and get sustainable, creative basics that prioritize comfort and quality. Take up to 45% off at checkout when you use BF Town Meeting. Again, that's B as in Babette, F as in Frank, Town Meeting at checkout. Welcome to the parade and underwear story that represents you. And now we have fashion with Jess. Making fashion choices, making fashion choices, making fashion choices with Jess. All right. So this episode, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, I find it to be not the most memorable. And unfortunately, um, the fashion falls under those same lines. 
So we start off our episode at Friday night dinner. Lorelai is in a blue turtleneck with some gray dress pants. Rory's in a gray and white v-neck sweater with a black skirt. And this outfit pairing just kind of backs up what I say about Friday night dinner kind of often is, what's the dress code? Sometimes they show up like this and sometimes it's practically black tie. Yeah, and it it looks like a Christmas sweater or like a winter sweater. Yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it matches the black skirt for one, mm-hmm. but it also seems like she just has a basic t-shirt on underneath it. So, not my favorite. Um I do however really like what Emily is wearing in this scene. Uh she's got this all black on black set. Like just looking at her, you might think that like Somebody has died and she's in mourning. We don't see her in all black very often, but it's a really like sharp skirt set with this great textured jacket. So, you know, she is in mourning. She's mourning her uh, future because Trix is coming. Yeah, her life before Trix lived in town. Then we jump over to the inn where Lorelai's work outfit consists of this uh, ribbed pink long sleeve shirt with wide brown dress pants. Which just takes me back to the early 2000s of pink and brown being, like, not only an accepted, but extremely common color palette. Like, you could just put pink and brown together and go out the door and you look great. She looks great. We've talked a little bit about how much I like her in pink. This is good pink. I think last last week, maybe, we didn't like the pink. But this is a good pink. Quick story about the brown. I used to wear exclusively brown and black when I, in when I was a teenager really? together, yeah. well, like dark jeans and a mm-hmm. brown top, right? Okay. So I was like goth, but not completely. Oh, you were like goth. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I just made up a new term for like soft, soft goths. Soft goths. goths. <laughs> yeah, I I don't love the shirt on Lorelai. It's just a very basic ribbed pink long sleeve, but it's a pretty color. Then, when we move on to the Gilmore Girls' house, uh, we see Rory in an embellished kind of crew neck gray cardigan, and this is for the Owl's Pancake World International Grab Bag Night, and Lorelai is wearing her work outfit from earlier that day, plus a long coat, and kind of a standout accessory. She's got this long cream and brown patchwork scarf that also has these 3D flowers that pop off of it. Again, it feels very early 2000s, and there's a lot of scarf work going on in this, like, winter of Gilmore Girls. Mm -hmm. We'll see another scarf later on this episode, but it's making me wonder, are scarves going to have a big comeback? Because we've had a number of years of, like, the blanket scarf, you know, like, big scarves, plaid scarves. Are, like, the stretchy, fuzzy scarves going to come back? Because everything else has. So watch this winter. We'll have to wait and see. see. When we get to class at the learning center, Lorelai and uh, Suki have both dressed up. It seems like most of the participants in this class have, which again makes me curious. What is the learning center? Did they have to dress up for diary writing? Like, (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine? Can you imagine Jackson in a suit? In his one suit? Yep. Yeah, um, but Lorelai has this great, like, textured blue jacket with a matching kind of camisole. It's like a sweater set, but it's a, a jacket set. It's very pretty. And Suki is in a red uh, v-neck wrap dress. It's got kind of a floral pattern with a long black cardigan. 
but she is carrying what I in my notes have called kind of an icky suede coat. It's mm. very reminiscent of the bad suede coat that Lorelai wore an episode or two ago that I said um, would not look out of place in a children's production of the lion, not the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, uh, of the Wizard of Oz as the cowardly <laughs> okay. lion yeah. or the cowardly <laughs> lion. Yeah, just like big faux fur um, suede. Don't love it. At the inn, when Lorelai is worried about being deposed, we have her in a blue satin shirt with a v-neck collar that is, um, that color just immediately takes me back to middle school. One yeah. of my um, middle school homecoming dresses was that color, and I loved it. So Correct flattering. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the type of shirt that John was making fun of, right? Uh, I don't remember. Maybe he was? Yeah, the silk shirts. I think she looks fine. Yeah, she looks beautiful. She has been doing this ponytail accessory thing recently, where she's got, like, a plastic bit that goes over the ponytail holder. Mm-hmm. I've just noticed it for a couple of episodes. Kind of interesting. And I think right here is the, like, end of the discussion of whether or not Suki thought this was a date. Suki's outfit, she's wearing a gray three-quarter length v-neck, like, shirt. Almost like a sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. And a big, long fleece vest over it. Yep. Does this look like a date outfit to you? No, it does no. not. <laughs> I think it's, honestly, it looks great on her. Like, she looks very cozy. It does not scream, I'm going on a date with somebody I've had a crush on for ten years. I don't know. She is wearing hoops for earrings. She and is you know wearing what? the biggest hoops we've ever seen on her. But yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I know. The bigger the hoops. But, I mean, she would think that. No, this is just her wearing a regular, like, comfortable work outfit. So I don't think there was ever anything in Suki's mind that was like, it's a date. Jumping to the town square, this is where we have the other scarf that I think kind of steals the show in this episode. We have Lorelai wearing this multicolored striped long sleeve with a puffy vest and a scarf that is so long that it practically drags on the ground. So I think... That long scarves like this are, one, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, but a little bit. two, this is the most early 2000s outfit. Particularly those colors. They're like the muted jewel tones on the striped long sleeve. It screams the gap. It mm. screams like Old Navy circa 2004. Um, it just, it's so, it's so nostalgic for me. I kind of love it. And then Rory is wearing her blue shearling with a red, blue, purple hat scarf combo. Very, very cozy. You know what this outfit that Lorelai is wearing screams to me? That California is pretty hot and (laughs) they want to put her in a vest so she doesn't overheat. Yeah. Because, like, otherwise... The Northeast, we said it last time, would be freaking cold. And you yeah, can have a vest, open vest. Unless Lorelai has like secretly invested in a bunch of extremely high quality invested. Scandinavian. What? Invested? Sorry. <laughs> no, but um, if unless unless Lorelai has secretly invested in a bunch of really high quality Scandinavian merino wool sweaters that she wears under everything. <laughs> yeah, right. There's no way that she wouldn't be chilly. But 
you know, John told us it is a TV show. That's true. It is a TV show. At our second Friday night dinner, we have Lorelai in a v-neck kind of sheer lace blue-black top situation with a different leather jacket than we usually see her in. This is kind of a pilot style with a faux fur collar. I actually prefer this to her usual leather jacket, which is more of a blazer style. Mm -hmm. I think this is a lot more young and fresh where her other one kind of skews like older woman a lot of the time. And then Rory is in, again, probably the same black skirt with a dark blue sweater. Apparently it's black skirt week at at the Gilmore Seniors house. I actually really like Lorelai's shirt. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. It's so funny between her silk shirt and that shirt, you essentially know what my high school homecoming or my middle school homecoming <laughs> dress looked like. It was a combination of those two. We have Suki's outfit when she is cooking Jackson her apology meal, which she does not need to do, where she's got this warm toned dress with a long fluffy red cardigan. And it's so funny. I can look at that cardigan and I know exactly what it feels like. Mm. And I know that it's the kind of fabric where if you push your fingers into it, they'll go straight through it. Because that's how all of those fluffy cardigans yeah. were. You could, like, put your fingers through your the ends of your sleeves. If you wore those back then, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then we wrap up the episode uh, with Rory and Lorelai at home. Rory is wearing a blue Henley and black track pants. She looks really Mm. cool and pretty. I'm going to challenge you here. Yeah? Is that green? I think it's blue. Let it run for a second. Okay. This is our blue and black, yellow and gold dress. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think it might be a, like a turquoise, like an in-between. So a bluish green with track pants. But uh, my point is, where are the fluffy flannel pajamas? She wears those flannel two-piece pajamas all through spring and summer when it's boiling hot. And then winter comes around and she's just like, oh, I'm just going to throw on my sweatpants. And some trackies. And then Lorelai is wearing a red and purple sweater with brown corduroy pants. Very comfy. Great outfit to sit on the couch and talk to a cute new boy. Wow, this is the episode of brown pants. It really is. Apparently winter and brown pants go together. So very much like a rambly kind of where's it going fashion recap, because that's how I felt about the fashion the entire time. There were no real standout pieces to me. Um, There were a couple of looks that were better than others. I wouldn't say anybody was best dressed. Nothing was wow, except maybe Emily's full black on black outfit at the very beginning, just because it was so chic and different from, you know, her usual jewel tones. Sandra, what would your pick be? I, I feel like we usually skip the guys. Michelle looks really n- nice in a suit. Oh, and, yeah. Like, he killed it this episode, I think. The pink and red are not my favorite combination mm-hmm. of a red tie and a pink blouse. Blouse is the wrong ja- word. Uh, shirt. Shirt? You sure? Yeah. But his other outfit like he looks so professional i don't know i I always like his suits i think that they do a really good job with michelle Mm -hmm. and putting him in his suits and he looks so presentable that i'm like yeah of course he went to a school in switzerland that costs 73 grand a year michelle is always in like (laughs) tailored he looks clean he looks like sharp 
Now, Michelle is almost always best dressed, mm-hmm. but we have to give everybody else a fighting chance. A chance, yeah. Come on. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think if I was going to steal anything, it would probably be that super long scarf or maybe the, the leather pilot's jacket. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just kind of a meh fashion episode for me, unfortunately. I like me some stripes, so I probably would have stolen uh, Lorelai's, like, sweater that she's wearing um, while yeah. walking through town. I well, maybe Emily can take the puffy vest and then we can just take all of Lorelai's clothes. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, that was fashion. And after fashion, we have Stars Hollow Speaks. Up first, I mentioned maybe in last week's episode that I had put up a story post after we lost my audio. I was feeling very down. It was not a great moment for the town meeting girls. Um, <laughs> no. It was... It was kind of our dark day. Like, it was truly, it was not great. But a number of you were super kind with your kind words. And so I wanted to give a shout out to especially Kendra and Sarah and also Ninja Slayer Girl who sent a very good vibes gif. Um, much appreciated. Also, thank you to Clarissa and Emily and Laura and Annalisa, Inuman and Rita for sending hearts on our story. Like, I was genuinely, like, really, really upset. And it was so nice for you guys to be so supportive. Uh, We've made it, what, over 50 episodes without ever losing any audio? It's over 60, actually. Yeah. crazy. (laughs) It's kind of crazy that it didn't take, or that it took that long. But thank you again for all of your support. It really helped me get through a tough time. I did feel like Lorelai in that scene, and I did feel like Emily and Sandra were like the Rory patting my hair and telling me, sit up and then go to bed, like within the same breath. So, And it's funny because you listen to podcasts or YouTube videos and you hear like someone say like, I'm recording this again, or this is my second time recording, and they're like, fine, right? Right? It doesn't ever sound like a tragedy. It's a joke. And then then it happens to you and you're like, wow, this is devastating. This is the worst day of my life. (laughs) (laughs) But people had some thoughts about this episode, this cursed episode. First up, we have Anna who said the fencing gives me parent trap vibes, which is what I said. I'm vindicated. Uh, Jupiter says I was, hold on, Jupiter the doggo, a dog is commenting. (gasps) Oh my gosh, we have a dog listener. I love it. Send us pictures of Jupiter. Uh, well, Jupiter the dog says, I was so frustrated with Francie in this episode. I always thought this storyline was unnecessary. I agree, pup. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Francie could have not been in these episodes and we would have, it would have been better. Yeah. I just have to say with where I'm at after a long day of work and then jumping into a podcast, you saying pup, I was like, wow, what a weird nickname for one of our listeners i had forgotten it was a dog (laughs) it's a dog um and then um from sylvia i hope i'm saying that correctly the girls fight is hilarious but a key moment in their friendship well friendship quote unquote yeah yeah i think you know they say that like when you fight and you come back from that fight it makes you stronger Mm mm-hmm and we do see where Rory and Paris end up. So it's definitely a key moment. Yeah. And at least it establishes that Paris thinks that highly of Rory. Mm-hmm. 
But that was it for Stars Hollow Speaks this week. We have a little bit of a shorter section. And we're ending the episode with coffee, as always. We have Lorelai with two instances of coffee. And yes. She drinks one at the Learning Center. She does. And she drinks the other... In the kitchen. In the kitchen. Watching the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rory does not drink coffee in this episode. Mostly she's at school or... The few times that we see her, it's like going to Luke's, but not actually eating at Luke's. So yeah, Lorelai is the only one to drink coffee this time. Two cups is better than a zero. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was this episode. We're going to get Emily back for next episode. Don't you worry. Yes, we promise this time, not just a recording <laughs> of Emily. <laughs> no. And um, thank you for bearing with us. As always, I was Sandra. Emily was here too. And I was Jess, and we'll all see you next week. Bye! Thank you so much for listening. This is Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast with Sandra, Jess, and Emily. And you can follow us on Instagram at townmeetingpod and email us at townmeetingpod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and support us at buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting. If you like, send us a message on our answering machine at anchor.fm slash townmeetingpod and click message. Thank you again. We appreciate all of you.